It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Locked On Lakers for Friday. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky. Russell Westbrook has addressed Huddlegate. Talk about that next on Locked on Lakers. You are locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked on Lakers first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how rich or where you get your podcasts, never behind a paywall, always free. I uh, want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Um, Locked on Lakers on YouTube, by the way. Yeah, that's where you go to subscribe to see the podcast. So, Andy, after... Wednesday's game, a clip of Russell Westbrook being brought into the huddle, uh, a little, not a huddle per se, but like a little group huddle as the, the Wolves were going to go shoot free throws. Uh, Patrick Beverly's bringing guys in and they're they're going to talk strategy and Russ won't join the group. He's off sideways. He, he shakes them off. That circulates around Twitter. Hours later, Andy, somebody then posts a video of Russell Westbrook while the team after postgame introductions is over in the middle of the court, bouncing up and down, doing team stuff. Westbrook has separated himself from the rest of the group. A loner. Doesn't want to be part of the team. Um, Indications of strife, of hatred towards Pat Bev, of major problems with the Russell Westbrook experience before we even get into the second uh, second season, the regular season, or perhaps Andy, maybe not. Yeah, uh, what what has turned out to be, and this was something you and I uh, mentioned in discussing this for Thursday's show, is you need to see all of the sequence and not what is just in video because video can be misleading depending on the way it is cut depending on as we talked about actually what um network you happen to be watching this game because we were watching it on spectrum Sportsnet, but it was also shown on espn and two different feeds of the exact same game can give you two different things to focus on but as it turned out as more video has surfaced um there has been reverse angles that have shown Russell Westbrook during the the Beverly huddle. Actually, we thought he might have been talking to the refs after that call because it was against him. 
Um, turned out he was talking with the bench, more specifically the coaches, which we'll hear from Russ in a second, but also to the pregame huddle thing. When you see the full clip of everything that went on, Russell Westbrook actually had been a part of the team introductions, actually did like a little personalized, you know, bump with LeBron, handshake, all that stuff that guys typically do, particularly with LeBron, because he has one of those for everybody. And then Russ went off by himself. So yes, there are those periods of him being alone and separated, but they come either after having been part of the group or with a very specific context. Well, I mean, to the to the to the thing, you know, when the the clip of him separated from the group in in pregame introductions was posted, my I think most people's first instinct was he's done that has he done that for a long time? And it turns out the answer is yes. Well, that was not most people's well, initial reaction. Most people's initial reaction to it was trade F and Russell Westbrook because he's already causing bleep again. Let me I mean, that, that. That was I should, the I should be more specific. Floating around a lot, not just social media, but frankly, people who cover the team. I did you see a lot of that? Because my my yes. response, my response, and I don't. We don't need to call people out by name, but I didn't see a lot of amplification on Leo. I, I didn't. I didn't watch. There's a clip take. of there's a clip of Patrick Beverly tr- pulling Russell Westbrook towards the huddle on ESPN's site. Like th- this became a thing. It- My first reaction to to the like the like the you know Westbrook in the pregame introductions was, has he done that for a long time? Because like it, I mean, I'm not comparing them, but like go back to the Kaepernick thing. It's like, oh my God, like the dude has been sitting. Like he sat for like three weeks before anybody even noticed what was going on in protest. Like we are very good at not seeing stuff because it's not a big deal until we want to focus on it in a different context. And obviously Westbrook in Oklahoma City having his own pregame ritual where he separates himself from the team for whatever reason isn't that big a deal in the context of today with the Lakers um, if it's the first time anybody is noticing, people are going to, I guess, get really freaked out and upset. Well, I, and this was Russ's point when asked about this during Thursday's practice. He said, quote, yeah, it's really weird, man. Pre-game, I've been doing that since I've been in the league for years, man. I think they just cut the video and the internet will take it and run with whatever it need to run with. I've been doing the same ritual since I've been in the league. I'm pretty sure you guys can probably attest to that. As far as the other video, I was actually talking to the coaches and they cut that video in half as well. I was talking to the coaches about a missed coverage. So I don't pay no mind to it. I'm just trying to compete and do my job. Everything videos, you can cut any video, make anything you want of it. That's not up to me to be able to judge that. I know I'm a genuine team player. I've never had a problem being with my teammates and I'll continue doing what I've been doing. So yeah, I mean, look, Russ is, if nothing else, a dude who is exceptionally OCD about his rituals and and like the way he goes about his pregame, you know, his free throw ritual, all this, you know, the way he wants his car parked at the practice facility. Like Russ likes things very just so. I imagine he has the neatest house of anybody in the entire NBA 
with it every book. Me in, my senior, in senior year in college, my favorite thing to do with one of my roommates was just walk around the house and turn things like 35 degrees and then sit down and wait for him to walk through because it would freak him out and he had to turn everything back. Yeah. So I Russ, assume people do that at Russ's house. Russ is known for being like that. So, you know, and again, you and I both thought in the moment, we need to know more mm -hmm. before people before you really start reading into it. But it also, though, I think Brian really underscores a point that you made when we were talking about this, which is everything right now is going to be under a very powerful, omnipresent microscope. And there, there will be nothing that people will not be looking to read into with this team and with Russ in particular. Well, I think it's because... For a lot of people, Andy, they 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 don't want it to work. They're, I, I I am not a Rob Palinka fan um, by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think either one of us would be uh, rightly categorized as Palinka apologists. But I, I there are a lot of people, uh, a lot of Lakers fans, a lot of Lakers commentators, particularly sort of social media based, um, you know, web based people who don't. Who who hold Rob to task and 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 accountable for not having traded Russ? Who say it's a disaster? You know he created the disaster by trading Russ, and he refuses to face the disaster by not trading Russ. And that's just not accurate. It's not it's not the right way to look at um, the, the 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 way this offseason has gone. Like people want this to not work and they want evidence that it's not going to work so they can continue to be angry at the people that they are angry at rob palinka Jeannie buss russell westbrook i think this is just the evidence in a lot of people's minds of look it is not working in real time look at him shine patrick beverly as he's trying to call a huddle like right except they're projecting they're projecting their sure. own that's all. That's what I'm getting at. Projection will not be required. Hopefully, we're all wrong, and this actually somehow manages to turn itself around. Westbrook finds a role, and the reason I say hopefully is because that means the team will do better. And you know, I think every if you're listening to this podcast, you probably want the team to do better. I know we do, yeah. um, and so hopefully we're all wrong. But if we're not, it, it's it's we're going to know and we're going to know pretty quickly and we don't need to project onto our you know, we don't want to project our rightness so to speak onto things that aren't yet relevant and so you know we'll see there'll be plenty of times where russ's attitude really is you know kind of problematic and he is prickly and he has trouble struggling with with his role and all that so um just give it a minute. It's good. I promise you, if you're correct on this Lakers fan, you will have your moment <laughs> and, and probably many of them. Um, speaking of roles, Andy, Anthony Davis uh, had some comments about his, specifically which position he would play following um, Wednesday's loss. So we will get to that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net, your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest, easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf, but 
of course, also the NBA. The 2023 season is just about to start. You are running out of opportunities to lay down early action. This is interesting. The Lakers went from maybe like a month ago being a six-point underdog in their home opener against the Warriors, saw it briefly at 5.5. They are now only getting five points, Brian. The folks over at Bet Online increasingly liking what they've been seeing against the Lakers. I guess they did not watch the preseason game against the Wolves, but either way, they're liking it because that line keeps getting uh, smaller. So if you if you want to get the best possible, you better get in on that right now before all before it's a pick'em. Could end up a yeah. pick'em by the time that game Could starts. Be. Could be. Could be. Uh, LeBron Could currently be. fourteen to one to lead the league in scoring. Joel Embiid, the current favorite. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device. Learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, a couple of housekeeping notes, Andy, before we get to uh, Anthony Davis here. Uh, Juan Toscano-Anderson and Lonnie Walker both participated in practice fully on Thursday, meaning uh, so there's some scare as to uh, whether or not Lonnie Walker might miss a little bit of time because he twisted his ankle in Wednesday's loss. Uh, he is apparently fine. Uh, and Juan Toscano-Anderson, who didn't play on Wednesday because of a quad bruise or something like that, he was on the floor. Both of them uh, are expected to be available for Friday's preseason finale. Darvin Ham noted that he will probably run out a another a sixth uh, different starting lineup. Um, I would expect, I would expect the 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 stars to play LeBron, AD, Westbrook. I, I I think at least for a half you'll see guys. But um, I would think more. Darvin yeah, Darvin's yeah. been talking about ramping it up more. Right. It's just more you know, last game similar. Yeah. Last games. Sim- in every sport, preseason games, you never quite know. But I would expect something that looks, at least for three quarters, like it was on um, a half or three quarters, like it was on Wednesday, like a potential regular season rotation. Because as uh, Ham pointed out at practice on Thursday, they have a lot of things that they have to uh, work through. So we'll see how that goes. I'm really um, interested. Uh, we talked about this briefly, uh, or a little bit on yesterday's show. I'm very curious to see how JTA gets implemented back into the rotation um, because mm-hmm. that three spot is just always a question. Yeah. Um, or if they go with a traditional center in the starting line, yeah. they try that one more time. So um, I, I suspect they are leaning towards going small, uh, which was obviously what they did on Wednesday. It was a major topic of conversation uh, for our show on Thursday. And uh, Anthony Davis was asked about this because he always is. And, um, He said the following, I trust coach's decision. I mean, I'm pretty sure he heard AD wants to play the four. uh, So he knows where I stand. But at the end of the day, I want to win. So if that's me playing the five, that's what it's got to be. Um, I don't think he was necessarily going full third person. When I heard the clip, it was more like, I'm sure he's heard, you know, AD wants to play the five. Not like he walks into his office and says, Darvin, AD wants to play the five. Um, No, but what I do like about that, though, is that he initially presents it like it's just something he's heard, like it's a common narrative that 
Darvin Ham as somebody who's been around the league forever would have heard that by now and then confirms, yeah, it is what I want. Right. <laughs> like, because because it is. Because if yes. Darvin is paying even slight attention to anything yeah. that happens around the league, the, the shift is, from, in fact, a storyline. But you're right. And what the shift from third to first person was actually very well done there by And AD. he confirms it. You are correct. He confirms it. Like, this is, as I said, you know, my. Yeah, Willing to stipulate, Anthony Davis has a deeper understanding of the nuances of the differences between playing power forward in the NBA or center in the NBA than I do. <laughs> Maybe, but like my my personalized is like I I think the differences are 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 lessening. I think it's different now than it was five years ago, or certainly whatever when he or when he entered the league. Um, but my 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 question about this was the only thing that really should that that I guess potentially matters is if Davis thinks it matters and it impacts the way he plays or the way he approaches it or his aggressiveness or whatever. And I can't say that part's true, but the first part of it, he cares and he thinks there's a difference is obviously true. He still yeah. doesn't want to play center. Yeah, I mean it's clearly not a semantics thing to him. And, and look, in certain respects, it's not a semantics thing. The, the things that you will be asked to do playing center, particularly depending on the personnel around you, mm -hmm. is different than what is expected from you at the four. And some of the shots that you could be getting at the four versus at the five, again, depending on who is out there with you, can be different. But at the same time, like you and I have talked about before, you know, that tendency that AD has at times to kind of float around the perimeter, kind of wait for the game to come to him, seemingly operate like more of a bystander than somebody who looks like he is actively trying to take control of the game. That can happen no matter where AD is playing. And that can happen regardless of who he's on the floor with. This is something that we've seen with him throughout the, the course of his time with the Lakers. So, you know, whether that's a schematic thing or the way he interprets the schematics or whether that is a bleep, man, I don't like being at the five and it takes him out of his rhythm or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, it it is fair to question, I think, how much it actually affects him mentally if not in the actual right. game. Um you know, because it's not like, and he's gotten used to it. Like, I, I'll, while we're talking here, I'll pull up the percentages again. But the, you know, the amount of time he spent in the championship season playing at power forward versus center, I think it was about 50 50. Um, it was really the, the, you know, the last year where the, where the percentages got really skewed. Um, he's, it's not like he never does it, but I feel like there's a comfort for him in knowing. I am a, I am a power forward. I play power forward, uh, and you know this is what I do. I don't totally get why, but well, that's just. But it, but it is. It, but it is. I mean, and that's that's. It, it's not my. It doesn't matter if I understand it. Last year it was seventy six percent at center, twenty four percent at power forward. But you know the the this it was a screwy year. Um, the season before that was 90 to 10 and the season before that was 60, 40. So 18, 19 in new Orleans, it was 60, 40 
1920 when they had uh, Dwight and AD. That was um, or Dwight and JaVale. That was uh, 90% of his time at power forward. And then uh, 2021 was 76% of his time at center. So, I mean, one theory you could have on this beyond, you know, there are a lot of people who think it just comes down to physicality and mm-hmm. the physicality required at the five versus the physicality required at the four because of the matchups and the assignments, responsibilities. AD began as a guard. His, mm-hmm. He started out playing basketball as a guard, and then he had this insane growth spurt where he grew like a foot basically overnight. He was like Tom Hanks and big, and <laughs> just all of a sudden became a big man. But he honed his skills as a guard, and – you know, he, his instincts may, in a lot of ways, as a player, be closer to a wing than that of a big man. And look, he's got an, he's got an incredible handle for his size. There, you know, he's got a really good face-up game. Like there, there's a lot that he does that is very guard-like, which is part of what makes Anthony Davis such an incredible player. But it may be sort of like at his foundation how he sees himself as a player. You know what I mean? And like you know you. You create images of yourself doing a lot of things over the course of your life, and they can be difficult to break. So, yeah, um, I, mean, I do think ultimately, though, I don't think this is. I think, I think this is the direction they're going to go, just because this allows them, if they can hold up defensively, um, and it's not like Thomas Bryant, who I like, but you know, Thomas Bryant is not going to anchor your defense like a Miles Turner would next to next to uh to ad and you know even damian jones is not a 30 minute a night guy that you can just use as an anchor there you know these are role players that you deploy for 15 to 20 minutes depending on the game um for each of them so if that small lineup can hold up defensively it just makes the most sense both because it seems to help with davis's production but it really unlocks the rest of the roster well i, I w- i'm glad you mentioned that because if AD doesn't like this, at this point, the whys may not even matter. And it doesn't matter if he's right or wrong. The bottom line is, like you said, this is the roster. But it is also the roster in very large part because of the ripple effect of the Westbrook trade. And the Westbrook trade is something that Anthony Davis wanted. So in a lot of respects, like this, this is the bed that you're laying in right now. It's the bed also that you helped purchase. That you wanted to per that everybody's in this bed right now. It's like right. a big 70s swingers bed, but like it's platonic. A, it's like a key party. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a big old basketball key party. And 70s were a very different time. <laughs> yes, they were. <laughs> I mean, a yes, very they were very mm-hmm. different time. <laughs> um it's a little, you know, it reminds me like the AD, sort of like Russ, like I realize he's very prescriptive in how he likes things done. And, you know, he's, he's prickly. And it's like, and it's not, it shouldn't be incumbent on Russ to avoid natural things that happen in the course of a game or in the, just because, you know, I want to create a clip. Because ultimately, you know, it doesn't really, it, there's not much you can, we'll, we'll find something. Um, but, you know, he, he probably could benefit from being at least aware of optics. He, if he's asked about it, like, you know, hey, AD, do you have a preference between the four and the five or whatever? He's just, he's just lie. I, 
I don't care. It's the same, like in today's positionless NBA, it's basically the same thing, you know, other than those random days when I'm playing, you know, a really big guy and we can put out another center. Like most days, it doesn't matter. Lie about it. Just lie. And, you know, in your head, you know, go to confession, do whatever you feel like you need to do to make, you know, feel bad. But then we, you know, meaning, you know, basketball analysts and Lakers fans, and you don't have to hear about it anymore. Just pretend that you don't care. It's the positionless basketball version of post-racial America. Like, we know it's not really a thing, but it's a really nice thing to say. Yeah. Like, it makes everybody feel really good, even though we know it's not actually a thing. Um, let's talk about Jeannie Buss. She gave a very interesting uh, interview with Rich Eisen that uh, had a lot of people talking. Uh, and so we'll do that next. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So uh, Jeannie Buss went on, Andy, with Rich Eisen, and you know she's been doing a lot of media. She's been very visible, which I think is good. Um, but once again... She's got a documentary to promote. Like seven of them. <laughs> um, By the way, the Hulu documentary, if you have not watched it, is really good. I've seen all 10 parts. It's very, very good. Um, and so, yeah, she's been out there promoting that and talking about the team and trying to project a, a sense of, um, control and calm and, you know, let people know that somebody's steering the ship. Um, but the, the topic turned to the brain trust as it often does. Like who are the people who are helping Jeannie Buss make decisions? Who are the people that she leans on, uh, and whatever. And she had a very interesting, she clearly does not like this question, um, and yeah. has push back against it, not just in this interview, but in others, but to Rich Eisen, she said, people are fascinated with that for some reason, that being this question of the inner circle. I could ask you, do you ever ask Mark Cuban who his inner circle is or Joe Lacob who his inner circle is? There's just something about being a woman that I think people think, oh, what crutches does she need? Because she's not capable of doing it herself. I have great people that I work with. People seem most interested in Linda Rambis, who I've been working with for over 30 years. I've operated in the same style since I started working with the organization. I'm a leader. I'm not a dictator. I like to build consensus. I like to hear from everybody at the table. And you know, ultimately, people need to understand that I am the governor of the team and I am held accountable for every decision that is made, business and basketball. To his credit, um, Eisen respectfully, very respectfully, pushed back on this notion that you are being asked specifically because you are a woman. Um, he noted Jerry Jones, for example, as somebody who has a lot of family around him making choices and making decisions around football. And certainly the Cowboys have had a mixed record over the last uh, decade or two, um, which you suffer through because your wife is a Cowboys fan. So you hear. About yes, these. I do suffer through it. Um, he mentioned Hal Steinbrenner. He mentioned, you know, he, he, he gave a few other examples of people for whom um, this question comes up. And I am not going to try to mansplain to Jeannie Buss um, what it is like to be a, a female, a high-powered female executive in a, an overwhelmingly male-dominated landscape. And sometimes a toxically 
male <laughs> environment. Yes. And landscape. as we've learned in a few different instances across yeah. a few different sports. She is not wrong in pointing out that that exists. And by the way, in the, in the Hulu documentary, there's a very chilling moment where she talks about when she first started taking on, you know, this governor role before like the governor role became the overseer of the whole organization, like essentially Dr. Buss's role before the governor role used to be kind of like a, a, a representative, like an ambassador right. of the team. And she was at a meeting of all these different governor slash ambassadors and somebody grabbed her butt. And like you see this interview with Jim Buss and Janie Buss and they both grow like ashen. They're just like, they had no idea. They did they not know, know that yeah. this happened. And, you know, so she knows of what she speaks when she talks about the things that she has had to, and I imagine still has to, overcome as a woman. But, but you got to make sure you're applying it correctly, which I don't think is her, the case here at all. I, I would agree. The inner circle is question because the Lakers have an inner circle that is generally not like any other. Joe Lacob, the the, the operations department is, you know, very large. Um, it is filled with a lot of people. It's got Bob Myers. Time out. Why would anybody question who Joe Lacob's inner circle is? They've won four titles in the last eight Andy, years. <laughs> I was getting to that. <laughs> I'm going to start with, I'm starting just with the aesthetics. Don't worry. I noticed that as well. The, the Lakers basketball operations department is extremely small. It's extremely insular. It includes Kurt Rambis, who would not be in a decision-making capacity in any, with any other team in the league. Um, there are people for, there is confusion over what role Linda Rambis plays influencing whether it's Jeannie Buss's process uh, around decisions that ultimately uh, affect, affect basketball, basketball or whether she actually is weighing in on basketball stuff. And um, by the way, this is something Jeannie never clarifies. Right. Ever. And, and there, is a there is a difference between the two. There's no question a difference between the two. But either way, it's something that that could be clarified in the level of input, um, whether passive or direct that Linda Rambis has on, on basketball decisions is certainly relevant to Lakers fans and media, which is well, why. But also it's but important the, because she's married to Kurt. And if nothing else, her taking up for Kurt's position in correct. the basketball department and his decisions could even if even if all she does is empower Jeannie to empower Kurt or encourage right. Jeannie there could to be a Kurt. conflict of interest there. Mm -hmm. So that matters. So the process looks different for the Lakers. You know, they recycle the same people. It's Magic Johnson still. It's Phil Jackson still. Um, they, they are significantly smaller than most other organizations around the league in terms of this, this basketball operations um, infrastructure. So that's part of it. The other part of it is what you talked about. The team has been terrible, save one and a half seasons for the last decade. And so the results aren't there. People, nobody, if the Lakers had a weird, if it was Kurt and Linda and Jeannie and Rob Palenka and 
you know, Ricardo Montalban and <laughs> five other people that don't seem to have anything to do with basketball, even in the slightest, but they won titles every other year. People be like, I don't know exactly what Ricardo was telling her to do, but congratulations. He, it seems to be working. The team isn't good. I mean, that would be especially weird because he's been dead for 13 <laughs> years. But. but like that's that's the root of it is that they've been wildly unsuccessful and unstable. And the things that have worked out for them have very little to do with the basketball operations department itself. Right. And I mean, the idea of leaning on magic for advice when A, he was not a great basketball exec to begin with. B, he publicly and embarrassingly bailed and bailed on and blindsided you. Like the the idea that you would continue to go back to him will mm -hmm. understandably strike some people as insane. Like even like even Joey and Jesse, who you and I both think are very good at their jobs, and we mm -hmm. both have been high on them for quite a while, and, and think they represent two of the the best assets at that organization. There's still two guys who their entire perspective has been shaped only by being in that building. Like mm -hmm. there's no outside perspective. There's there's no diversity in terms of experience. And it's also worth noting, it wasn't misogyny when everybody used to question Jim Buss's judgment, including Jeannie, very passive aggressively, very publicly. You know, like yeah, well, I, he spent, I, I, he spent a long time, despite having been part of Championship seasons, mm -hmm. just like Jeannie, he spent a long time getting questioned as well. And, you know, no, it also wasn't misogyny when Jeannie Buss rightly got a ton of praise and respect as the person running business ops because everybody recognized Jeannie's a really smart, hardworking woman who has cares deeply about the organization. Like, in terms of, Proximity to basketball decisions and proximity to power. I would say she's actually had it much easier than Jim had. Well, I mean, I just think, you know, and we can wrap it here. It's the, the point is that while there are many, 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 many instances where her being a woman is related to it and look I, I'm, not, I'm not gonna say i'm sure there are people who just don't think of her like i, I don't mean people like in the league whatever but fans who at their core when it's down to it just don't like it that you know the, oh, these women can't make this there are people I've like that i've seen that in our comment section before right, there, on the youtube I, page that's not to say that there aren't people who look at that and go when it when it comes right down to it women can't run a business like this they just don't I'm, those people exist. That's not, but that's obviously, not, but that's not, that's a separate question from why are people asking me about my processes? Why are people asking me about who my inner circle is and all that? And do they ask men? The answer is yes, they do. Particularly if the, if the results are questionable. So I mean, she's um, brought up Mark Cuban. Mark case, Cuban has been questioned a lot about a lot of as an owner people. of an organization. A lot. Uh, including about misogyny. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Rightly so. Um, so she she has many valid points to make on this one, but I think in this particular case, uh, kind of missed. And I, I'm glad Rich Eisen pushed back a little bit on it. So uh, we'll see what the Lakers do um, on Friday night. And um, at last, last preseason game, Andy. 
Yeah, that will get you ready on Monday and into Tuesday's game for the regular season opener. It is here, people. We are basically at the beginning of the real games. We'll see everybody on Monday. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.